guys. Hope everyone is having a wonderful morning, day, night, whenever they're listening to this. So it is just me, Lauren, on the pod today. Rachel and Rachel are not with me, but I have two super exciting guests today. The owners of Vintage Therapy, Aaron and Scott. Our conversation was so cool, really enlightening. We talked a lot about the vintage community in Lexington, their passion for mental health, and how they've made their space so inclusive and inviting, their favorite things to collect, um, being comfortable in your own skin and dressing however you want, experimental clothing, fashion, future trends, how the business came to be, etc. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you guys do too. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So <laughs> you guys didn't see, but I think they both just put up peace signs. We did. We did. <laughs> we love that. So first, just tell us about each of you. I want to know like where you guys are from, like everything that has gotten you guys to this point. Okay. And you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll go first. All right. So my name's Aaron Wills. I'm the better half of vintage therapy. <laughs> I would agree. And um, I actually am from, uh, I'm a little from a little town called Carlisle, Kentucky. So it's a really small town outside of Lexington. However, um, I went to um, Western Kentucky University for college. And when I left college, I uh, moved back to Lexington. Um, you know, nothing kind of crazy. I'm, I'm kind of the, uh, the, the older one of the bunch. Um, between, Definitely older. Between Scott and I. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have uh, a daughter that's 15 and a son that's 14. And, um, so, uh, pretty proud of, of both of them. And, um, which one are you more proud of? That's a good question. <laughs> that is definitely a good question. I, I love them both the same. It just actually depends on the day, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the simple, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. I, um, obviously we'll get more kind of into the vintage side of things and, and what we do um, from, from that perspective and, and get probably a little more in depth with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, and no, nothing big on my end. Cool. Um, my name is Scott Hatton. Um, I'm the other, I'm the 25% of vintage therapy, I guess, as Aaron leads on. Um, definitely. No, you're, you're at least 45%. <laughs> At nice. least. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, from Lexington, born and raised. Uh, never lived anywhere else, unfortunately. Uh, no, Lexington is pretty cool. It's all right. Uh, but yeah, other than that, that's, uh, that's, I don't know. Should I say anything else? That's about it. I think you covered it pretty much. Were you a UK student or grad? Um, no, I didn't go to college. <laughs> he, uh, he played basketball for Kentucky, for UK. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember yeah. you. I didn't go to school, but uh, they were just like, man, we can't not have you. Right. You know, they, they said, hey, as long as you bring your own basketball bat, you can join the team, you know. What did you guys do before this? Did you have any other jobs that led you to this? And you're like, I may have to edit this out, but like, fuck this. I want to do what I actually want to do. Like, in my head, I see you guys have here. Yeah. So before you opened the shop, did you have any other jobs? Yeah. <laughs> uh Aaron go ahead yeah well I'll, I'll kind of start you know um obviously the store kind of created from our love for vintage and and um you know um the fashion side at least for me for the fashion side you know as a young kid growing up I always was interested in you know the fashion aspect of it um I always liked vintage clothing um I always wanted to find that unique piece uh, that nobody else had. So I, although I, you know, obviously shopped at the mall and was up on trends and things like that, I always like to kind of step outside that box and be unique. So for me, I've always been a collector uh, before I've been anything else as far as a, a reseller or anything, but I'm really an entrepreneur at heart. I, when I left college, I went into sales and consulting uh, in the pharmaceutical industry and um, have been in that mark that area ever since. So, um, you know, I love the networking aspect of it, but my true passion is around the vintage, uh, the clothing, you know, the, everything that comes with it, the music uh, side of it, um, and then obviously the 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 friendships and networking and things like that. But mm -hmm. that that kind of led me. That kind of has led me into, you know, this industry. Um, and then, you know, Scott and I got together a couple years ago and became really close friends. And we kind of always had this dream 
of you know owning a shop like we own and being able to really showcase not only stuff the things that we're passionate about but also kind of create a lifestyle and a culture you know for the vintage community and you know um students and and people all you know lexitonians i guess you would say um kind of create that environment um and culture for for everybody here in in lexington and you guys have definitely done that i feel like before you all like the vintage like there's definitely been a rise in vintage clothing and collecting like nationwide but lexington didn't quite like hit that yet there was i mean there's like pops resale and some other ones that we really love but i feel like you guys have really like have vintage have had vintage clothing like explode at least with the students that i've seen so congratulations on that i know you Thank guys you. are doing super well did you guys start out as like little pop-ups um well we kind of the way that it at least for aaron and i initially started um was it 2018 that we met is that what it was mm -hmm. okay so 2018 aaron and i both had booths in the domestic i'm sure you're probably aware of the domestic yeah. mm -hmm. okay um we both had uh, a booth there uh and one day Aaron had bought something out of my booth. I didn't know who it was, but I saw that I had sold a hat or something. Um, and we both happened to be restocking at the same time one day. And he introduced himself, said he bought the hat, yada, yada, yada. Um, so we just started keeping up with one another via Instagram, uh, all that kind of stuff for a little while. Uh, I ended up moving out of the domestic, uh, I guess maybe like a half a year after that. Uh, but we kept in touch um, and we... I think there was a little mini, mini flea event in the domestic parking lot um, that kind of got the idea sparked between the two of us and some other people in town as well, that we need to do uh, a flea event more catered towards like the specific kind of vintage clothing that we're interested in. Um, so uh, we, uh, we got together with uh, the two girls that do warehouse um, and they already kind of had the idea of the flea event. Um, so we kind of partnered up with them initially and got a bunch of other people in the community that we had met, uh, uh, through all of that. And we had uh, a big flea event called the drunken flea. Um, so that the first one was at the borough, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was the first official. No, Al's. no Al's wasn't the first. Oh yeah. The yeah. borough was the, the very first one. That's when we met, uh, Cam. Yeah. Yeah. Just lost and found, uh, either way. So that, that one happened. It was pretty successful everybody that participated so i think that kind of lit a fire under all of us to want to keep doing those events um so the drunken flea would happen like once a month we would do little pop-ups at breweries here and there uh sometimes it would just be aaron and i uh sometimes be like four or five of us uh so once we started doing that and we saw people continuing to come back we'd have the same people come back uh lots of new people that said my friend was at the last one and recommended that i go to this one um so we've just been kind of doing that for a while. Um, I think we were um, just not in a rush to try to do something a little more permanent. Because like you said, Lexington is historically kind of far behind as far as fashion trends go. Uh, not necessarily like not a, not a progressive city, but it's it more like of a traditional uh, old money kind of city, I guess you could say. Um, but um, I don't know. We saw such, uh, such success in Louisville from gosh, there's probably four or five different vintage stores and they all kind of focus on uh, different areas of vintage, um, but the great success in Louisville. Uh, I don't think any of them can complain. So um, around, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, towards the end of the year last year, um, I was kind of at a point, I wasn't working anywhere. Um, I was doing a lot of traveling um, and Aaron already has a full-time job. So uh, neither of us really had anything to lose if something were to go bad. So we figured, uh, why not? Let's give it a shot now. If we can, if we can start a business in the middle of quarantine and it's successful, that I, I don't think we're going to have a problem any other time. And we we felt really strong about kind of where we were as far as you know our ideas. We we wanted to kind of mirror other shops that had, had some success in other cities but at the same time we wanted to create something on our own something very different and so that was kind of our goal is when we opened the shop we wanted it to be different we wanted it to be different than other vintage shops and you know to kind of broaden that that mm -hmm. market a little bit mm -hmm. 
you know, he mentioned, you know, the drunken flea and some other pop-ups and things. We did a few pop-ups on campus with HUD, um, hub. or the hub. Yeah. With yeah. the hub, HUD, uh, with <laughs> the hub. And, um, you know, and what we found was that our, you know, our target audience was not just college students, but it mm-hmm. was people all over Lexington, um, different types of people, different walks of life. And so we wanted to create a shop that everyone felt comfortable coming into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what's cool about Scott and I were, you know, obviously we love each other and care for each other and we're, you know, great friends, but at the same time, we're very different, you know, and you know, not just age wise, but, you know, I think that uh, we both have different creativity, creative ideas and things like that. So when you're able to kind of uh, work together like that, then you're, then you, you know, you, you come up with, with something like we have with vintage therapy Mm -hmm. and um, you know, something else I'll say too, you know, while we're talking about this is, you know, Scott and I, you know, we hit it off right out of the gate, but we've got a vintage community here in Lexington that so many people don't know about. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of really good people um, in that community. And, you know, we have leaned on them and we, they're involved with us in the shop Mm -hmm. and we always want it to be that to be the case because you know, I think the more we can get people involved and the more ideas we can kind of come up with together as a team, you know, the better that this is going to become. That's really yeah. interesting uh, that there's not so much, sorry to cut you off, but usually okay. businesses, you guys are, or businesses are usually kind of cutthroat, you know, like McDonald's and Wendy's are always eating at each other, but it's really sure. how you guys all come together. That's awesome. I think, um, I think a big portion of it, well, it also, I think the flea was a, a big reason as to why the vintage community here really started to begin to grow. Because uh, I think a lot of people were kind of just like uh, laying in the weeds, so to speak, like everybody was selling on Instagram or Depop, but there was no community to uh, talk back and forth with. But with the flea, um, it got a decent amount of uh of uh, people noticing it on Instagram and everybody came together and there was like 15 people that lived in Lexington that had been doing this for a decent amount of time. Um, so we were able to kind of start ne- networking with all of them, uh, keeping up with what's going on, where do you, you know, what are you doing, what's your interest in, you know, keeping up as much as possible. So, um, but uh, where was I going with this one? I lost my well, I mean, I just think, you know, he was just going to, I think on the point that I was talking about us being a community, you said, you know, you, you said it best. I mean, Wendy's and McDonald's are very cutthroat uh, with each other. But, yes, you know, in the community that we've created and the way Scott and I do business, and I, I said this earlier in, in an interview we did this morning, you know, if we put – people first and we put our customers first and we put these things in front of money, then this job become, you know, then the the business side of it and the money aspect of it will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we're, we're, our passion is, is the vintage community and the, the, the clothing itself and the fashion and all of that. That's what really feeds us. And, you know, the making the money aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, it's needed to, to, to stay, keep the doors open. But at the end of the day, that's not what, you know, our focus is and our drive is, you know, I think that that mindset brings everybody on board and brings people in to a a place where they feel comfortable. And, you know, to give you an example, if I find a t-shirt that I know another vintage reseller here collects or or has or whatever, you know, I'm going to be the first one and Scott's going to be the first one to reach out to them and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, we got this shirt. Uh, are you interested in it at all? Yeah. And then we, we give it to them at a value or close to a value of what we were able to get it for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is we want the, we want the clothing to live on. We just want it to be out there. We want people to enjoy it and get joy out of that. However that would be. But I mean that, I think when you take the business aspect of it and the greed and the money and off of that, all of that off the table, this job, this, this business is a lot of, is a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and we're experiencing that kind of firsthand. Right. So like the reason that the community is so tight knit, tight knit is because nobody like really gets into this industry if they're not passionate about vintage clothing, you know, like I feel like 
all started small and you just had a passion and went for it, which is just different. Yeah, well, they, they do. They, they, yeah. I mean, for the most part that the longevity of this industry is that, mm -hmm. um, but if you're in it for not that reason and you're in it for the money, then you're not going to last long. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to buy yourself out of the market or you're going to, you know, you're going to make so many enemies along the way that no one is going to want to do business with you. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, like he said, if you're in it for the money, you're kind of, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, I think a lot of people getting into it, see the turnaround on the money and that's enticing. But when they really realize like how much footwork goes into this, how much it's not just the fun part of finding something, uh, wherever we may find it. Um, uh, and then just selling it, making a bunch of money. Like there has been periods where I've gone out every day looking for stuff for three weeks and I haven't bought one thing. Wow. Um, so you know, after a while, and also a lot of kids selling on online, uh, especially younger kids really try to get top dollar for everything. So they go out and if it's a younger kid, they'll spend the two or $300 they got for Christmas on all these clothes that they think or know that are going to sell for a lot of money, but they just haven't been able to sell them. Uh, now they're sitting on $300 worth of t-shirts that nobody wants. So I think if you don't really have a passion for that and are willing to push through the lulls, you're going to burn yourself out and get so annoyed uh, very quickly. So definitely this is very passion driven to know that like if I go out and hunt all day for something and I don't find anything, I have just as much fun as if I found uh, a t-shirt that's worth $300 or a, you know, a really rare hat or some really cool jeans or something. I have just as much fun. It's all about the hunt and just adding to my personal collection and having somebody else, like Aaron said, add to their personal collection. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest, uh, thing that helps keep this going is people that, you know, are just absolutely in love with finding all these cool pieces. I love that. So what is your guys' favorite thing to collect? Like what would you be the most excited or that and also what are you looking for right now like is there something in particular that you're like if i find this this will be the best day of my life uh you want to say your end of it you want to go yeah uh, i gotta think on that one for a second yeah a lot of, both of our collections uh are pretty diverse and mm -hmm. i think a lot of it has to do with we just you know we're pretty open-minded with lots of different things we have lots of different interests that don't necessarily mesh together but it's things that we like uh, something that we both have in common is Aaron and I are huge fans of like nineties uh, and earlier, like country music. Mm -hmm. So we love finding old country music tees, like a good Alan Jackson shirt or George Strait or mm -hmm. Dwight Yoakam, Merle Haggard, Waylon, like all that kind of stuff. If we find one, it's got a good, it, it, if it's got a good graphic, it's got, it fits the way we want it to. Aaron likes uh, a more a little bit more of a traditional fit but I'm really about like the big baggy like boxy type fit so if I can look up and find one like that it's got a good fade to it uh, so many different factors go into it like that's just uh, we're stoked on that and I think that's another thing is just finding something even if it doesn't have the coolest content it's got a really good fade to it and it's worn well I think that's really big at least Aaron and I are really big on something that for the lack of a better word looks really beat to shit <laughs> yeah. like I love that it looks like it almost mm -hmm. could have been pulled out of a trash can but it's clean now right <laughs> clean everything before it goes in the store but um uh Aaron likes a bunch of really eclectic pieces like something that nobody else would necessarily like super be interested in but it's it's something that you know that if Aaron's got it on you're probably not going to see it on anybody else mm. and it's, you know it could be something that I don't know just like a from a random election from the 60s or the 70s uh he has a huge interest in that and I think that's really cool because uh that's something that you don't see everybody around here I feel like a lot of the younger group around here kind of focus on the same thing for the most part like a lot of vintage UK stuff right. um and that's about it. I don't know. I think there's some slight. Other well, no, things, like Harley people are sure. like the Harley stuff and things like that. And everybody, you know, and, and as they probably should be, because that's what you're seeing the trends and stuff, a lot of the trends and, and, you know, uh, you know, musicians and celebrities and people like that, that's kind of what they're wearing. And that's kind of some of the, the, the trends in fashion. Um, me, I've always just as weird as it probably is. I just like to be different. I like I, the more, the more rare, the better. I like, I like stuff that, 
I know that is going to be hard to find that they only probably made 40 or 50 printed only 40 or 50 of the shirt, you know, something like that, you know, to give you an example, like, like old, you know, you know, bait, like a, like somebody, let's say had a, you know, a softball team from the, you know, early eighties and they only had 20 people on the team and they made the t-shirts and they say, you know, a funny team name or something like kind of goofy stuff like that. I like a lot of that. Um, just the, the, the more rare, the better, but I'd say I like what I really get stoked on is if I can find a band tee out in the wild, some type of band tee, some type of, um, something music related. I get, I get pretty excited on that. And then denim, I can't find, you can't find denim out in the wild. It's sure. really, really hard to find like salvage denim and, and a lot of the older denim. Or just um, workwear in general. Yeah. Like workwear. Solid good faded broken in workwear yeah that's that's something we both really appreciate too so where do you usually actually maybe you don't want to tell our listeners so maybe we'll skip over where you usually find your denim answer for this one yeah <laughs> never tells his secrets <laughs> <laughs> i knew i was like i'm just gonna ask them how they do their no, i mean it's a little bit of everywhere i mean just to kind of to let the, the, you know, your, your listeners know, I mean, we buy, sell and trade every day. So, you know, the idea is we would love it for people to bring stuff into us that is vintage that either they, you know, have and they're not in their basements or maybe they have it in their closet and they're just not wearing it anymore. You know, bring that stuff into us. We will obviously uh, either cash you out on that or, you know, give you the opportunity to pick something in the shop and trade for it. Um, you know, that's a great way um, for us to, to, to um, source. And then just all around, you know, um, one of the keys that one of the things that I can say is being able to network and talk with people and, and, and you never know what that, where that conversation is going to lead. And we have been fortunate to, to make some great friends along the way and talk to people, you know, that are, you know, 80, 80, 90 years old, you know, that have had this stuff forever and just sparking up a conversation with them and getting to know them a little bit leads to us being able to, you know, look at their entire collection of stuff they've had over the past, you know, 70 years or so. And so that's, that's pretty cool. And, and, um, but just everywhere, I mean, you, you know, we, uh, yeah, I mean, people go as far as, you know, looking in abandoned houses and things like that. I don't mm -hmm. recommend that, but, you know, I mean, just everywhere, you know, you never know where you're going to turn something like a, a, a t-shirt that you, that's, you know, worth hundreds of dollars would turn mm -hmm. up. You just never mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So that when you're talking about like the 80 and 90 year olds who come in um, and those, I'm sure that's like, some incredible conversations you have of them like going through their clothes. They probably have a lot of stories um, that reminded me of your name, vintage therapy. So the word therapy really sticks out to me. Um, if you guys could tell me a little bit about why you named your shop, the name that you did. Um, I think, I don't know, honestly, when we knew that we were going to be some sort of store, we kind of sat down and tried to brainstorm like what it should be called. Uh, which is kind of the hardest thing to do. Like if it should, it's something that should just come to you because mm -hmm. like there's no inspiration sitting there and trying to make yourself come up with something. Uh, but uh, we were just sitting down one time. We went out, actually, we went out and had lunch at uh, what is it called? Double dogs. Yeah. That's what it's called. Great place, by the way. Uh, and we were sitting there and then we kind of tossed a couple of things around. And I think we tossed around. Uh, I think crate was a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, just cause the you shop. Know, yeah, I mean, just some that, random things, but uh, we were kind of sitting there, and Aaron was like, uh, what about therapy? And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, kind of like retail therapy, mm -hmm. but specifically vintage. Um, and then also, like, that really that really rang well to us. And then also, uh, Aaron and I are really passionate about mental health as well. Um, so I think that, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. Like, we really wanted to create the vibe here that – when you walk in the door, you're not like pressured to buy anything. Like a lot of stores, you like may go to the mall and walk into a store and uh, the people working like don't really want to speak with you unless you plan on spending money in there. Um, and as much as obviously we want people to come in here and shop with us, 
if you just want to come in and ask a question or you want to, like, we've got a couch here in the store. If you want to come in and sit on the couch and just, you know, leave some troubles that you've been thinking about all week at the door and just come in here and just look around and just kind of forget about everything for 30 minutes or an hour. That's what we want to offer to people here. Um, so I think, I think it not only touches on, uh, you know, the shopping aspect, but kind of more of like us, like really, you know, wanting to look out and connect with the community and let people know it's like, Hey, we're real people. Uh, and we're, you know, we deal with a lot of the same stuff that you do, but come in here and let's, let's have some sort of connection and just, you know, forget about any problem you may, you may be having. And just, let's just, let's just talk, talk shops, talk clothing. Let's talk old sports, uh, old toy collections, whatever you want to talk about. Just come in kick your feet up for a little bit and uh, hang out with us. And that goes back, ties back into the vintage community and the community kind of creating a family atmosphere of people being able to come in here and hang out and, kind of like the old school barbershop or beauty shop, sure. you know, where you're able to come in, you know, if you want to come in every day, you can. And just like Scott said, you know, talk shop, talk anything, you know, whatever's on your mind. And so, you know, we, that kind of tied into the whole therapy aspect of it and being able to just come and just, like he said, check your worries at the door and just, sure. and, and just, you know, sit back and enjoy, take everything in and, and, you know, be able to relax. Yeah. That's really amazing. Um, I have always felt that way too when I walk in. And I know you guys have like hundreds of people a day, so you don't remember, but we definitely do give off that vibe. And I didn't buy everything every time I was in there either. And you guys always talk to me. So thank you for that. Um, and then I was listening to one of your guys' last podcast. So for our listeners who don't know, they also have a podcast. So you guys can plug it at the end and we'll have it in our show notes, but you guys should go listen to that. Um, and you were talking about how older people with kids, like 10-year-old, 12-year-old kids will come in and their kids are suddenly like, wow, like my parents are pretty cool. Like they were wearing these clothes back in the 80s, back in the 70s. Um, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think honestly, that's it's probably one of my favorite things about the store. As much as I really love like all of the really rare t-shirts that are on the wall and, you know having this be like my actual job, like I don't have to have another job. This is, you know, something, this is the one thing that I call like quote unquote work if you want to. Um, but I think as far as like customer experience, I think that's by far my favorite thing that I've seen the past couple of months we've been open. It's, I don't know, I feel like all too often, like kids really take for granted the, the relationship that they have with their parents. And, you know, as much as, you know, your parents or especially your grandparents do the whole classic, like you're going to miss me when I'm gone kind of thing, you know, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of kids take for granted the relationship that they have with their parents because not every kid is fortunate enough to have that. It's especially a close relationship with their parents. Because they think they're the they're a parent, they're an authority figure. They don't a lot of times they don't see their parent as a friend or somebody that they can just speak to one on one and like actually be heard with their opinion and not just say, Oh, well, you're a kid, you don't know what you're talking about. So they come in and of course, middle school, high school kids. They come in and they're already embarrassed that they got to shop with mom and dad at a cool, trendy store, if you will. Um, and they come in and their mom or their dad's like, oh, I had that on the wall. I had that. Your, your Uncle Tommy had that on the wall. I remember we used to play with those when we were kids. And then, well, Aaron and I usually speak up and we'll start kind of talking shop. And then the kids just look at us, or especially their mom or dad, and they're like, we used to do cool stuff. Like, you still know about this cool stuff? So I feel like leaving out of the store – it kind of humanizes kids' parents and realize like, okay, they haven't always been mom and dad. Like they used to, you know, be into cool stuff now, whether they're not now or they just don't, it's not as big like in the house anymore, but it's, I don't know. I just think it's cool to see kids be more connected with their parents and like create a relationship that's past just uh, parent and child. Yeah. It kind of creates that bond, you know, mm -hmm. they have that, that bond when they come in here and, and you can see it. That's, uh, you know, that's one of the coolest things. I mean, I, I challenge anyone to come in the shop and not, you know, feel some type of joy or excitement or see something that reminds them of their childhood or finding a, you know, a shirt or putting together an outfit that they just absolutely love, you know, or finding something, like I said, from their childhood. Um, but you know, I think it creates that bond. You know, I have a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old. So for me, you know, that bond has always been 
you know, talking about telling stories from when I grew up in the nineties and, and, you know, how all these trends have come back around with the music and the clothing and, and all of that. It's really opened up really good forms of communication for me and my kids, at least to talk about things I did as a kid and how it relates to today and, and things like that. So like Scott said, when you see parents come in here and you can see at first the kid comes in and they're a little hesitant, they're a little shy, mm -hmm. they're a little mm -hmm. kind of uncomfortable um, because they're in here with their parents and, you know, there's, you know, rap music playing or something maybe that, you know, they don't feel, you know, they don't feel completely comfortable with listening to with their parents. Sure. It, it all kind of goes away when they start talking to us and interacting and we start interacting with their parents. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, this is, I feel comfortable here. Right? This feels good. Mom's and, got a little flavor to her. All yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then they start, and then the parents start telling stories uh -huh. about when they were kids. That and they then probably might have never told otherwise. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the funny thing. Or, or they'll be like, if we have like, let's, I'm just using this as an example, but mm -hmm. let's just say we had like Tupac playing in the store mm -hmm. and, and they're, they're like, I used to love this song mm -hmm. and their kids hit head just like whips around. Like what, you yeah. know, who Tupac is. And it, so, it, you know, that conversation is not being had until mm -hmm. they get in an environment that they both feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I, that's what we wanted to create. And I think the way that we've been able to do that is because of our age difference, mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, you know, it, it just, it kind of creates a, um, we try to create an environment that I can relate to parents and adults and, and, you know, kids and then vice versa with, with Scott. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can talk to the, uh, little, little kids because <laughs> so no, he here. does, he does much better. He does much better with the college kids. Mm -hmm. For me, it's funny because they'll be checking out and I'll be like, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I remember I graduated. I'll, I'll say something about graduating college in 2000. They're mm -hmm. like, Oh, I was born in 2000. So I <laughs> feel like ancient at that point in time. So it, it's, it's, I was a, born in 99 a month before. <laughs> yeah. Just so, so I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, as uncomfortable, sometimes as uncomfortable as that makes me feel Scott's right there to pick up the pieces and like make a joke or something that kind of brings it back together, mm -hmm. which is, which is really cool. And, um, you know, a lot of businesses aren't fortunate enough to have that. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to even say it because we joke about it all the time. They call me, they mess with me, call me dad, because sometimes the dad in me does come out, but yeah. it, it's almost, I mean, we're, we're, we're really good friends and, but we're, it's almost like a father son relationship in a way, as cheesy as that sounds, because, you know, I'm kind of stuck in my ways and can kind of sometimes be a little bit of a control freak. Mm -hmm. And Scott puts me in my place, you know, and he's like, Hey man, that just isn't going to work or we're not, we can't do that or we're, it's not going to work that way. And vice versa as well. I think, uh, uh, as much as Aaron isn't really a perfectionist in lots of other ways, I definitely think, especially something that you care about like this, like this is our baby. Of course we want it. We want it. We want the story to be told how we want it to be told. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, I think, like he said, I can definitely check him and be like, look, let's chill on this for a minute. Let's think about it this way. Excuse me. Aaron does the exact same thing for me. We do like, we're such good friends. I'm not scared to maybe potentially hurt his feelings for 10 minutes. Cause I know like that doesn't mean like, well, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. Like we're, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's what friendship's about. I mean, true friendship is about being able to hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and making sure that you're doing the right things or you're making the right decisions. And, you know, not all, that's not always the case. And so for he and I, I think that that plays really well into what we do as far mm -hmm. as running the business side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely tell that you guys are a dynamic duo. I love the energy between <laughs> you both. I'm, I'm definitely Batman and he's Robin, but. I'm joking. Patrick and I was trying to figure out which one was which and that joke wasn't going to land. So. Oh, he's definitely SpongeBob. I'm <laughs> I don't know. We could be Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Who would yeah, be two different people? Yeah. Okay. Now we are going to move to our 
Instagram followers, they submitted some questions. Um, we're just going to do a few because I know you guys are very busy. No, let's go. Let's go. I'm excited. For oh, okay. So this one is a little tough. Um, what is your response to people's criticism of reselling thrifted goods and the ethicality? So I guess they're asking, I guess there's been some criticism on reselling um, thrifted goods. And I looked this up and there, there's an article saying that now like, like thrifted goods used to be sold to lower income communities and now it's more like a middle and upper class um, mm -hmm. sector who's getting these clothes. Do you guys have any words for that? Again, we can I'll skip touch on that. I'll let him start. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll, I'll start on this I'll one. pick up the caboose uh, here. I don't know. I could, I could either answer it in a harsh way or in a very low key way. Um, I'll do it low key for the sake of- <laughs> I kind of wanted the harsh. I mean, I'll give you both if you'd like. Right. Uh, harsh is like, get over it. Mm -hmm. Literally it, just get over it, you know? I mean, because if you really want to be that upset about it, then you can really be upset about how much money that Urban Outfitters is marketing their clothes up with, but they come out with new lines of stuff every week. Right. Every week there is something new that gets brought into that store. Mm -hmm. And if you do enough digging, you can realize how much they don't pay for those clothes and then how much they put on those clothes. Nike, that's another same thing. There's lots of reselling sneakers. I used to do that much more heavily than I do now. Uh, but I mean, you go into Walmart, how much money they don't pay for the food and stuff like that they have on there. And while their prices are still low, uh, they pay almost nothing for that stuff. So if you want to say that reselling stuff is, you know, kind of, I don't know, not ethical, I think you said, uh, mm -hmm. that that's, that's how the world goes around. Everybody that is a business is technically a reseller, if you will. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people also think, you know, that we go into it, say we go into a thrift store or a yard sale or an estate sale or whatever, that we just go in and we just grab everything and leave. And, you know, there might, like I said before, there might be a time where I go out for three weeks in a row and I don't buy one thing, um, you know, or I go into a spot and I'll buy like, say I buy three t-shirts and it's just like, well, you go in there and I turn around. It's like, dude, there's 15,000 pieces in here that are still fine pieces of clothing to buy. Right. It's not like you're cleaning out all the Goodwills of America. You're buying you and me. I mean, we'll go into a Goodwill and make him out with one eye mm -hmm. or, or a thrift or something to that effect. I mean, I think to, to kind of back up what Scott was saying, I mean, there's two different sides of this resale clothing mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. There's the whole Poshmark side of things. You know, you see a lot of people who have, their own closets that they open up and they almost sell in a yard sale type mm -hmm. uh, format. Um, and, and these are people that are, you know, hopefully are not driven by the money aspect of it. Hopefully they're driven by the idea of being able to get it out to people that can enjoy it mm -hmm. and, and the, the sustainability aspect of it from an environmental standpoint. Sure. And, you know, for us, those are some of the things that really drive us. I mean, anyone that comes into our shop can look and, and, and they, if they pull an item and they look it up online, they're going to see that we have it priced probably close to 10 to 20, maybe even sometimes $20 below what they'll find it on online. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea of what we want to do is we want to get things back out in circulation for, for two reasons. Number one, to be more, you know, to, from the sustainability aspect of it and get yeah. back out the recycled clothing from a recycle environmental standpoint. And the second thing is, is to bring people joy. I mean, we don't carry clothing that was made two years ago at J crew. We're not going and buying that at Goodwill. We're hunting and, and looking for stuff that from people's childhood and mm -hmm. stuff that people, you know, um, makes them think of maybe, you know, a family member or a holiday or something to that effect we're on the hunt for those things to bring the nostalgia aspect and the joy to the customer. Mm -hmm. So for, for us at the end of the day, long story short, there are some, some negatives to, to this industry. And I think the, the negative aspect of it to this industry is the greed mm -hmm. where people are going and scooping up everything at goodwill and then marking it up, you know, doubling the price of it or whatever and selling it to people and taking advantage of that. However, I will say this, Goodwill is not I was exactly what this. Goodwill yeah. think people think Goodwill is. I mean, Goodwill is a billion dollar industry that is getting stuff given to them 
and then they're marking it up and their prices fluctuate and change every, depending on which market you're in. I mean, there's, there's in Colorado, I mean, you know, a, a shirt or something could be $15 at a Goodwill. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, they're taking advantage of people giving them stuff. We're actually buying from people, not necessarily Goodwill. And I, I said this in an interview earlier. I mean, if, if someone in our business is relying on Goodwill to, to stay in business, they will be out of business really quick. Yeah, we use Goodwill as an example because I feel like that's kind of the most recognizable to yeah. the majority. You guys are looking all over and have a lot all of All over. I mean, sure. You yeah. know, our, our sourcing is so much bigger than, than uh, a thrift store. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have networks that we work with with people. Um, you know, we, we hit the ground. I mean, every Saturday morning we're out and about looking at, you know, different places, you know, and going to different spots that we have relationships with people and, and getting stuff that way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this isn't, you know, it, we're not just walking in Goodwill one morning and pulling, you know, a hundred items and saying, okay, well, let's mark these up. <laughs> let's, let's take this dollar 99 shirt and char and, and mark it up to $6. I mean, that's no, and we've never, that's not kind of our style. And unfortunately, uh, and, and, and nothing against them to not to really knock the hustle, but, you know, Poshmark and a lot of those places like that have created these resellers that that's kind of their strategy. And that's probably the articles and stuff that you're reading. That's probably what your what is their focus is. I mean, that's what they're talking about is that type of reseller that goes and is getting all of the, the made well and the simply Southern and all that stuff that was, popular at one point or maybe still is I'm not even sure but you know getting that stuff and then turning around and reselling it mm -hmm. um, you know that's not that's not our our what we do we focus more on 90s to the 40s 30s however late you know however far back we can get it and we want clothing that has a story we want a clothing that has you know that's extremely made well made in the USA that you know has stood the test of time from the 1950s and is mm -hmm. still able to be able to be worn and, 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 you know, you know, kind of put out there. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, the original intent of this whole market, and it's not even just vintage clothing, but you know, like baseball cards, anything that is a collectible in a sense, I feel like the industry was kind of created for the enthusiast and the collectors out there that like, we're not telling everybody in Lexington to come fill their closets in this store as much as we would love that and appreciate it. This store is for people who have a big appreciation for the eighties and nineties or whatever we have in here. Um, and just like to have that nostalgia feeling in purchasing something. So, you know, by us owning the store and having to run the store and spot clean everything and do this and do that and, you know, cover our time and all of the resources that we use, like, that's a big portion of the money that adds up to a t-shirt costing 30 or $40, or even if it's 50, 60, whatever the price is. Uh, a lot of that money goes into time spent. People think that we just pop the door open. All the shirt, all the shirts are given to us. We don't wash them. Don't do this. Don't do that. Take a bunch of money and then uh, run out the door laughing. Look how we got people. Like it's, it's essentially like a service fee for uh, an old and collectible piece that certain people are looking for. If you're not into the collection aspect of it, then what's your point of even coming in here almost? You know, obviously some people come in and they'll just buy an old music shirt because they used to like the band. But I feel like uh, a big thing for us, I think also, you know, fashion is, has kind of gone in a direction of the vintage thing again. So that's a big driving force of it. But I still think originally it was really more intended for the people who have like a strong passion and interest for whether it be 80s clothing or 90s or whatever i think it's just you know it's kind of flooded into other lanes and stuff and so that kind of what that's kind of what makes it seem a little more like we're just trying to take advantage of like high school and college kids and trying to take all their money but uh i don't know like i said like we're not forcing anybody to come in here you can still go to walmart and get your t-shirts and your pants and stuff or at urban or whatever and with that you can contribute to overfilling landfills day by day by tons and tons of clothing or you can come in here and get a shirt that's already been on the earth for 50 years well no i think it's a good question because i mean I honestly i mean somebody it, it, there is that mindset out there uh, of people and i think you know it was good for us to be able to cover that and sure and 
and I think there are two sides of, of this resale market and the green and the and kind of the negative um, sometimes overshadows you know all the positive and, and mm -hmm. what's what's really the mm -hmm. idea and the thought behind what we do um, one of the things too I, I, I'll say you know we do a recycle program and we're, we're big into recycling the clothing so let's just give an example if you bought a sweatshirt in here from us and you know you wore it and, and enjoyed it and you're just not wearing it anymore it just doesn't fit you know as long as it's in good shape you're we're we have the ability you have the ability to bring it back to us and you know we obviously won't pay what you had to, what you paid for but we can give you in-store credit you know to trade something out or we can give you money for that and you know not too many i don't know very many retail stores or even online stores like do poshmark and stuff like that that has you know has that and for for us it's obviously we don't want to see that go to goodwill we want to see that come back mm -hmm. so we can put it back out and have somebody else buy it and enjoy mm -hmm. it just as that person did mm -hmm. and you know uh, we don't want it to kind of get lost along the way we want these clothes to keep living mm -hmm. and i know that sounds so cheesy it that does, really cheesy. but I agree. Yeah, it's, it's very corny. We want, but we want these clothes to keep living. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you just have to answer very, very corny. Uh, I mean, it's true. Corny sells. Corny's true. Corny is like when you're passionate about something, you're going to be corny. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. All right, next question. What do you see trending soon? Um I saw your guys' Instagram post about the cropped 90s tees. That was pretty funny. Male crop tops all 2021. Let's go. <laughs> We're getting ready to bring them back in, in probably in a few weeks. We'll let it warm up a little bit. Let summer get here at least. You guys yeah. are only selling male crop tops in like two weeks. That's the only thing at your store. No, not the only thing. <laughs> uh, we'll also have uh, a, lot of, a lot of the girls are big getting the crop tops. Uh, one of the people that help us stock the store, uh, Bailey, she does a really great job with uh, turning old pieces into crop tops or just kind of recycling uh, clothing that might not be like the coolest thing, but you know, you cut it in half and you pair it with something else. And now it's like a really wild designer print. She does an excellent job with that. So I think alike, uh, both men and women 2021 are gonna be sharing the love for crop tops. And I can't wait. And she's our, she's our big influence female wise in the shop and, and she's so, so she's really good at cutting. So, and I think that is a huge trend that's already kind of here that you're going to see people trying to create their own pieces, create their own style. Um, and, um, you know, be able to take something old, um, and turning it, turn it into something new. I think you'll see that, um, for sure in 2021. And then um, you, the girls, that, you guys are kind of a step ahead, but and we joked about the country tees, mm -hmm. but the the country tees are going to be big. And you all did your western suit, your western, western <laughs> your there shoot you um, earlier. Uh, I was in that shoot for your magazine, <laughs> and I think that's 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 going to come on strong. I mean, I think the pearl buttons, the Wranglers, a lot of that, the boots. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that's going to come come through especially start seeing a lot of that in the fall another resurgence of like the uh the rhinestone cowboy so to speak mm -hmm. boy kind of thing i think uh i think everybody wants another taste of that so i don't know i think i think right now since there's so many different types of inspiration to come around because like 20 years ago you didn't have the 2000s to pick from you didn't have 2010s to pick from you know you had and the current style was 90s so that was the, the inspiration was drawn from something else so you had the 60s 70s or 80s for the most part now there's like another 30 years worth of really cool new ideas for fashion that are kind of getting thrown together which is really really interesting mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. uh, so i think more than anything else i feel like uh this year and on the next couple of years is going to be very very experimental like something that seems a little more out there but i think it's going to be a nice marriage of like lots of different styles of clothing put together uh that are uh how would you say it like working together in harmony i guess like it doesn't look out of place you know what i mean yeah the the, the you know the 80s and 90s have always played off of each other but i think you're going to start seeing a little mixture of you know different 
different styles, like taking the sixties and pairing it with something that would be more early two thousands. Mm -hmm. So maybe like a, a flower print shirt that's cropped and it's tight, maybe, um, you know, and then a baggier type style jean, mm -hmm. like, um, like a Jinko style jean or, mm -hmm. uh, something to that effect. Jinkos. So I think you'll, I think you'll see kind of that mixture kind of come together as well. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, with that, I mean, we talk about trends and, and fashion and things like that, but I think, you know, that's set by, we talked a little bit about this earlier this morning, Scott and I did, I think that's really set by a person's personality. You know, mm -hmm. what is their personality? What do they like? What do they enjoy? And what do they feel comfortable in? And that's something we like to do in the shop too. I mean, we have several people that try stuff on and they come out and we're like, that looks great on you. Or, you know, that, you know, that put, pair it with this or that. And they're like, well, I never would have thought about, you know, doing that. And the mm -hmm. cool thing is, is that we can kind of see their personality uh, kind of come through. And, and I think that's key in, in anything is just having the confidence uh, to, to wear what you want mm -hmm. and comfortable in it. And mm -hmm. when you can do that, then you start setting the trends rather than the trends kind of setting themselves. Oh, yeah. I believe that 100%. One of my favorite quotes is make fashion weird again. Like just wear whatever you want. If you feel comfortable and good, even if other people may not understand it, just wear it. Like that's my... Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think uh, the the last couple years, especially this past year, uh, it's becoming much more acceptable or accepted, I guess, to um, like truly be yourself, like not being uncomfortable to share your opinion or, you know, like people feel like that they have to like hide by some sort of facade to fit into a certain group of friends or to not be mocked or looked at weird when you go out even if you go to the grocery store you go to the mall or whatever people are i've noticed a new confidence severely in our local community and just everywhere honestly people are very comfortable in their own skin or at least beginning to be anyway so i think with that that's just going to bleed over into their choice of clothing um, and it i think like i said before there's going to be a lot of like really experimental type things or at least experimental in comparison to what it's been in the past um, and i think some people might miss it everybody's going to miss one time or another but i think some people step out and they just absolutely nail it and it's something that i'd never thought about before or aaron had never thought about and we're like man that looks really sick i would have never thought to put these two certain pieces together or even so much as like I'll see, I draw a lot of inspiration for my outfits just from people that I see on Instagram, like sometimes just color choice. And I'm like, man, I never would have thought those two colors would have gone good together. But somebody was like brave enough to take a picture of them, pick, take a picture of it, put it on Instagram and boast with confidence. I'm like, man, that's really sick. Yeah. You know? And I think more people are feeling good about expressing themselves through fashion too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key. I mean, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they dress and the way they carry themselves. And I think people are taking that to a whole new level, which is really cool because like Scott said, I mean, I think they're pulling inspiration from people on Instagram from, you know, pictures of, of family members or, or their parents in the past, things like that, which I think is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then to finish off the podcast, we, well, no, we don't want to finish. We don't, we <laughs> keep going. Well, I, it's already been like an hour. I know you, you guys are busy. So <laughs> one last, one last thing. Um, we always end with like a life hack or this could be like a favorite quote. This could be something as stupid as like, I like mayonnaise from blah, blah, blah on my blob. Like it can be any type of life hack that you want. That mayonnaise example was really random, but never say anything positive about mayonnaise let me put that, <laughs> put that i don't out. like mayonnaise either okay i don't know why i use mayonnaise it oh, makes mayonnaise. total sense you know, <laughs> your taste buds start to leave you so it makes total <laughs> he also said earlier that he likes chicken liver so uh, i absolutely love <laughs> chicken liver <laughs> i don't even i don't even know like where i could find chicken liver uh ramsey's ramsey's has they really have a chicken, chicken liver there i don't think i'm gonna head over there but thanks for the wreck if i ever want some chicken liver Okay, so life hack. Have you guys thought of one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like kind of like probably sounds kind of stupid, but if you like read into it, I guess, or the way that I choose to read into it, 
uh, I don't know, people say it a lot, but like, don't trip. Like, it, like if you want to do something and it's not hurting anybody and it brings you joy, it brings you passion, like, don't second guess yourself. Give it a shot. You might decide if you, you know, you're doing something, you might hate it, but don't, don't live with regret. Like, just do something. I would much rather try something and crash and burn horribly than 10 years down the road be like, man, I wish I would have tried that. Even if it's something random, you know, it doesn't have to be anything life changing, but now I don't have the opportunity to try it potentially. So I don't know. Don't, don't let somebody else's opinion affect what you decide to do in your day to day. If you like it and it's not hurting anybody, do it full force. hundred percent. Don't hold back. I'll piggyback that too. Cause we talked about this earlier too as well, but mm -hmm you know, just be true to yourself, you know, and be truthful to others. You know, don't, don't let other people, you know, sway you to do, you know, something that you're not comfortable with doing, you know, um, just be true to who you, you are. And I think the, the more, you know, so many people try to follow, you know, peers and things like that, or do what other people are doing on Instagram and not being true to themselves and who they truly are. And I think that ends up hurting them ultimately. And, um, so, uh, if that's any advice I could give, cause I know I've been there. I mean, I, I've been, you know, the younger version of me was very selfish and, and focused on myself and, and didn't even recognize necessarily who I was at that point in time. So, you know, and that's comes with, you know, obviously being somewhat immature, but, uh, you know, just trying to keep up with the Joneses, as we said mm -hmm. earlier, you know, and that's not always the cool thing to do you know, um, it's, it's, it's much cooler to, to try to find who you are and be that person and, and just really, you know, kind of be the leader and not necessarily the follower. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for those words, guys. That was awesome. Um, and now if you guys want to plug your store, any social media handles, anything you want to say at the end for our listeners? Oh, you go ahead. No, I just all thing I'm going to say is that you know we want we want everyone to come in and just enjoy the shop and see the shop. Like I said, I challenge anyone to come in and not kind of feel some type of joy or excitement when they come in the shop. Um, you know, just come hang out. We're not asking anybody to buy anything. We just want you to come and enjoy the experience, and um, you know, just chat it up with us if you're interested in vintage or anything to that effect. Come in. I mean, we're not here to to hurt people. We're here to edu help educate and, and as much as we can about vintage clothing and and um, and all of that. So we just want people to come in and have fun. I mean, that's it's kind of a theme park with clothing, right? Yeah, I guess sort of. Uh, yeah, I just I think a lot of people that like see other people follow trends, like they automatically think that they're like really snooty. So when people walk in, they're almost like. I don't want to say necessarily intimidated, but sometimes intimidated because they're like, well, these people are, you know, I'm not as big into it as they are. So they're going to think I'm a clown or whatever. They're not going to want to talk to me. Like we're pretty down to earth. We're pretty cool with anybody that comes in here, whether or not they know anything about vintage or they're the biggest connoisseur on the face of the earth. Uh, we just want people to come in and have a good time. Uh, if you don't see anything in the store that invokes some sort of memory, you had zero childhood. <laughs> never had fun as a kid you're going to find something in here whether it be a little knickknack on the shelf or a bunch of t-shirts you're gonna find something in here that'll make you smile and remember a fond memory for sure so that's the plug for the store and follow Have us good time. follow us on instagram at vintage therapy lex underscore lex at vintage yeah. therapy underscore lex you know follow us and you'll see our personalities come through scott and i you know we do the instagram ourselves it's not outsourced so one of the ideas that we had is we wanted to do that and let our personality come through on the Instagram. And that gives you a really feel of kind of who we are and what the shop's about as well. And, you know, again, I want to give a plug to the vintage community because the vintage community here in Lexington has just been absolutely amazing and, um, and very supportive of us. And, and, and we have kind of created a, a family. I like, I would like to think, um, and, um, there's a lot of, lot of people in Lexington that are working really hard, um, in this industry and they do a great job at it. So, um, my plug would be anytime you see other, you know, resellers in Lexington or people that are, 
you know, passionate like we are with the vintage clothing or decor or whatever it may be, you know, go out and support them, give them that support and go buy from them. Um, because it's not, we're not corporate owned. We're not sitting here in a, a mall where, you know, suits are making the decisions for us. We're building this from the grass, from a grassroots standpoint, from the ground up. So if I could say anything to the people that are listening, go support these small businesses uh, and, 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 and not just buy from them, but, but, you know, learn from, you know, learn who they are and, and, and try to become friends with them and, and network with them. I think that's definitely an important uh, part of this is not just the clothing, but just understanding the people that are behind it. Awesome. So thank you so much again for coming on. We can't wait. We can't wait for the the new kernel to come out. Oh yeah. It just got sent to the press like three days ago. Yeah. Four days ago. So you all have been so supportive of us and we appreciate it so much. And, this has been fun. So we're, we're open to do the podcast anytime. Oh, for sure. We'd love to have you guys back. And usually we have two other co-hosts with me, so we'd have more people. Well, then this doesn't count. You've got to do it the right way then. When <laughs> three. Yeah, we'll do another one with two more people. We'll do it again. Well, thank you again. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Soon.